Hi, I'm Rob Warlow, and welcome to this audio, Five Steps to Getting the Business Finance You Need. When it comes to obtaining finance, many businesses, they've been finding it tough. It's not as easy as it once was to get the finance you need to either start a business or to grow an existing one. In the good old days, decisions on bank finance was easy. It was simply a yes. But now, decisions are equally as easy. It's simply a no. Read the media and I know you'll see lots of stories of business owners who've been starved of credit just when they needed it. People who saw their credit lines literally pulled overnight. To businesses who are finding that it's taking weeks or sometimes months to get an answer from the bank. The banker-customer relationship has changed forever. We're now in a new era where the ability to pick up the phone to your bank and ask for what you need is just simply no more. I often hear business owners saying that they long for the day when getting finance will be easier, to get back to normal. But what is normal? Was it really those halcyon days when you could get what you wanted? Well, here's the thing. That period was actually abnormal. Now is normal. This is how it's going to be. So get used to it. Now, you won't agree with me when I tell you this, but it should be tough to get finance. Not being tough was how we got into this mess in the first place. So what we're essentially witnessing now is the norm. This is how it will be. We're merely resorting back to how it should have been in the first place. But before we go any further, I'd like to pose this question. Is it only the banks who are to blame for the recent mess? Well, in my view, no. Business owners are equally to blame. As in all aspects of life and business, there are two parties to any deal. So there's joint responsibility for past chaos. You and the banks are to blame. Now, before you start shouting at me, let me explain why. Everybody got used to easy credit and half-baked business ideas that I should never have seen the light of day were given the green light by banks. Small business owners got used to not having to fight for credit and so essential skills to suss out the difference between a great idea and a rubbish idea were lost. And so today, we now find ourselves in unfamiliar territory. Well, this is the new world. So what does this new world look like? Well, first of all, get this. Banks are lending. No, don't laugh. They are supporting businesses. But only the ones that deserve to be helped. The ones who can demonstrate that they have the ability to pay back, the ones who can show that there is limited downside for the bank. But we've also got new players entering the market. Alternative lenders have emerged to challenge the old traditional funders. These are smaller, more nimbler, more focused new age banks. They're crowd funders, peer-to-peer lenders. These are middlemen who put businesses looking for finance together with private individuals who want to support small businesses and at the same time want to get a better return on their savings. We've got new investors willing to inject funds into your business, but in return for a slice of the pie. But there's one thing you need to know. These new lenders may be making the right noises about supporting businesses, but at the end of the day, they are asking the same question that traditional banks are. And that question is, can you pay me back? Despite these new players coming to the market, you now have to understand that the rules of the game have changed, and so you have to change as well. 
you may have more to prove than ever that you and your business are worthy of support. Bankers and alternative lenders will strictly follow their criteria and lending standards and you have to be prepared for this. It's the business owners who understand this fact of life will be the ones who will be supported. Now you may be listening to this audio because you've been declined finance or you've suffered at the hands of your bank or you're thinking about applying for finance to either start up a business or obtain funding for growth and you're probably frustrated or confused as to the best way forward. Well, you're not alone. There are a lot of you out there who need some guidance on how to get the right message across to those holding the purse strings. And that's what this audio is all about. I'm going to give you some insights and tips on how you can increase your chances of getting that all-too-elusive yes. Do I guarantee success? Absolutely no. It's down to you and the actions you take. But hey, at least you're going to be ahead of the game. So, let's get started with the first of the five steps that you need to take. The first step, well that's where one where many falter, just because it takes hard work and focus. And a reminder of this came to me from that prolific inventor, Thomas Edison, when he said that we often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. How true is that? Well, this first step in getting the finance you need does involve work and investment of your time. But taking this first step means that you will end up with a world of opportunity being presented to you, if you're prepared to grasp it. And what's that first step? Well, it's to write a business plan. Now, I can hear you groaning already, but it's essential to have a business plan if you're approaching a bank or investor for finance. It is essential, even if you don't plan to borrow any money. But today, we're focused on using it to help you get the finance you need. There have been various surveys I've read over the years which have revealed that about 30 to 40% of business owners have a business plan. Do you know, I'm shocked by that figure. Yeah, I'm shocked that the figure was actually that high. I just find that number hard to believe. 30 or 40% of business owners having plans? I don't think so. I have to say that the majority of business owners that I deal with don't have a business plan, despite all the benefits it can bring, even if you don't want to borrow any money. So why is it that people won't write business plans? Well, there are a number of reasons for this. No, wait a minute. I don't actually mean reasons. I actually mean excuses. Yes, people make excuses as to why they won't write a business plan. And what are those excuses? Well, here are, say, three of the typical ones that I come across. They say they don't have the time. Well, get this, you do have the time. You've just decided to do something else with that time. And that time is not writing a business plan. The other excuse, it's too complicated and time-consuming. Well, get this, a plan does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be the size of war and peace. It can be as long or as short as it needs to be. The third common excuse I see, well, people say they don't know what to include in it. Well, that's a fair point, and I've got some sympathy with that, especially if you've never written a business plan before. But you know what? There's enough guidance online and books out there to help you write that plan. So it's not an excuse that I want to hear from you. But you know what? I think the biggest reason why business owners don't write business plans is they get confused as to whom the plan is really for. They think it's for the bank or some other third party, And as a result, there's no ownership of either the planning process 
or the end result, which is, of course, the business plan itself. Now, that lack of ownership or a clear understanding that your business plan really is for you can manifest itself in the form of no motivation or a lack of drive just to get on with it. Yes, your plan is going to be read by the bank, but don't forget the real target audience of the plan is you. So if you're listening to this with a pen and paper in front of you, write this down or just remember this. My business plan is for me. My business plan is for me. And if you've got that pen and paper, underline the word me, just so you get the point. Get that ownership to get the motivation you need to get out and write that plan. Now, if you're one of those business owners who don't believe in the benefits of planning and you've got some of those excuses, well, now is the time to take action and get on with it. It's vital that you have some form of plan in place because it helps you clarify the direction in which your business is going, the issues you're facing, and more importantly, how you're going to tackle those issues. The real benefit of writing a plan is not the final outcome as such. It's more about the journey and the discoveries that you'll make along the way. Discoveries as to what does and doesn't work within your business. The light bulb moments when you realise that you've missed a whole new marketing opportunity. A revelation that the way you've been running your business is just not producing the results that you want. But in the context that we're talking about today, the business plan is both for you and the bank. The bank manager has to gather a lot of information about your business in order to prepare his case to lend you money. So you need to make his job as easy as possible because the easier you make it for him, then the higher the chances are that he'll get the support you need. And this is the key to write the plan. It just makes the manager's job easier because he's got everything in front of him that he needs to know about you and your business. So I hope I've convinced you now as to why you do need to set time aside to write that business plan. But perhaps you've still got one of those excuses left, which is, well, I don't know what to include in it. Well, here's a quick and easy way to get a framework in your mind. There are four aspects to a great business plan, which effectively makes up the four chapters of your plan. These are where you've come from, where you are now, where you want to be, and how you're going to get there. So let's look at each of those chapters. So the first chapter is, where have you come from? Well, in this section, you outline your background, how you got started in business, how the idea came to you, why you started out in business, and crucially, what your business is all about. The next section, where you are today. Well, here now, you start describing how your business looks today in terms of what you sell, who your customers are, the sales turnover, the volumes you're selling, where you operate. And following on from that then, the third part is where you are going. Now we're getting into the meaty part of the plan, your vision for the future, your goals, where you're taking your business, and of course, the detail of what you want from the bank in terms of finance. And finally, the part the bank is really going to be interested in is how you're going to get there. Here, you outline the steps that you're going to take to achieve your vision. What specific actions you're going to take to implement to ensure that you're successful. So there we are. There's a very quick overview of what you can include in your business plan. But for a more detailed framework, simply go to your favorite search engine, type in the phrase writing a business plan or how to write a business plan and 
up on your screen will pop up loads of free resources and templates that you can use. There's just no excuse. But in writing the business plan, just remember your one key aim is to whet the appetite of the reader. In this case, your bank manager. You have to make her mouth water such that she can't but fail to see the opportunity in front of her. Think of it this way. Have you ever been to a great top class restaurant? You know the type where the bottle of water costs more than you paid for your car. Well, there you are sitting in opulent surroundings, soothing piano music playing in the background, wonderful smells of exotic food wafting through the restaurant. You pick up the menu and you read about the dishes which will be freshly cooked just for you. Dishes such as succulent chicken supreme filled with tarragon and cream sauce, served on a bed of crushed potatoes, smothered with a wild mushroom and brandy sauce. So is your mouth watering? Mine is. Well, that's how compelling your business plan has to read. It has to read like a well-written menu. It has to make your bank manager's mouth water. It has to have them reaching out for that checkbook. And here's one quick additional tip. Send your business plan to the bank manager once you've finished it a few days before your meeting. Don't surprise him at the start of the meeting by presenting your business plan bang on the table. He won't have time to have read it and so your interview is just not going to be that constructive. Send the plan to the bank well in advance. So as you start out on this journey of getting the finance you need, take this first step to write the business plan. Do your research, think about your business and start writing. And just remember this, success follows enthusiasm. So be enthusiastic about getting your plan written and you will get it done. And here we are at step two. Now, if you think that many business owners dread writing a business plan, wait until I tell you what this step is. So step two of getting the business finance that you really need does put the majority of business owners into a startled, almost trance-like state. Now, once this step is intensely disliked and will probably cause the most heartache, bankers love the outcome of making you go through this step. So what is this step? What is it that masochistic bankers want from you? Well, quite simply, it's up-to-date financial information in terms of the latest annual accounts and up-to-date management accounts. These are the easy bits. Just get down to your accountant and get it sorted. The tough one, and the one I want to concentrate on now, is preparing your financial projections. Now there, did that make you come out in a cold sweat? I'm sure many of you would agree with me that preparing your financial projections is the worst task that you can do as a business owner, right? I mean, where do you start, for goodness sake? We're talking about you having to predict the future for your sales, your overheads, your borrowing requirements and all without the use of a crystal ball even. And yet, if you're looking to get a business loan, you can't get away from the fact that the bank will want to see your vision for the future described in numbers. Because that really is all your projections are, your goals presented via numbers. Bankers love number crunching, and so you have to learn to do it as well. So, what projections will they want to see? Well, there are three sets of forecasts and projections. Profit and loss, cash flow and balance sheet. So your profit and loss forecast looks at the level of sales that you're expecting. How many units are you aiming to sell? What are your anticipated costs and overheads? 
And of course, what's the profit you're planning to make? You do plan to make a profit, don't you? At least I hope so. The next set of forecasts is your cash flow forecast. Now, you may have heard the warning in business that profit does not equal cash. Well, just because you've sent someone an invoice, at which point it's recorded in your profit and loss account, it means nothing until you are actually paid. Until the person pays up, you've effectively given them an interest-free loan. Or if they never pay you at all, you've given them a gift. So, whilst you may have made a paper profit on the deal, until you get their hands on the cash, it means absolutely nothing. And this is why a cash flow forecast is so important. It looks at your invoice sales and the impact on your bank account as to when you're actually paid. So, what about the forecast balance sheet? Well, this is a summary of what your business will look like in terms of your future assets and liabilities. As simple as that. Now, I can sense that you're really eager to start this process, aren't you? No? Well, don't worry, because most business owners really wouldn't know where to start either when it comes to building up these projections. Now, could you do this yourself? Sure. You can just go online and you'll find a lot of support there um, to help you build up these forecasts. You'll find plenty of templates with accompanying notes on how to fill in the various components that make up these forecasts. It can be done, and I recommend that you at least start the process yourself. But, you know, let's face it, it can be time-consuming, especially when you have a business to run. But the benefits for you can be very significant. Let me take you back to a meeting I had with a business owner I was working with who was having problems with his bank. He, he couldn't cope with the constant stresses that had been heaped upon him by the bank. So he called me in to support him. Now, Dave is in his 30s and he runs a manufacturing outfit. And like most business owners, he was good at what he did, but the recession had taken toll on his business. And so there we were, sat in his office one dark, cold afternoon with the sound of the machines clanking away in the background, planning out his strategy of how he was to keep the bank off his back. And it was going really well until I asked him a killer question. I said, so Dave, can you tell me what turnover are you planning to achieve in the next 12 months? Well, he stared back at me and as if I'd spoken to him in a foreign language. What do you mean, he asked. Well, I said, look, you have to know what you're aiming for so that we can plan the right actions to get you there. The bank will want to see these projections to demonstrate that you can afford to pay them back. So here's the thing, Dave, I need you to sit down and put together 12 months projected figures. Well, Dave looked back at me with a very confused expression on his face. But what for, he said, I don't even know what orders I'm going to be getting tomorrow, you know, let alone over the next 12 months. I can't do it. You have to, I said. Not only will it convince the bank that they should stick with you, but more importantly, the process that you go through in preparing those figures will be hugely beneficial for you. You will understand your business better. Because here's the thing, Dave, the power lies in the process that you're going to go through. It's not necessarily the end result. Well, Dave wasn't that convinced, but in the end, he reluctantly agreed to have a go. So we spent 30 minutes or so going through then the basics of preparing projections, uh, reflecting on future average order values, number of units he was going to sell, new customers he'd go after, um, the likely future cost of raw materials, potential increases in overheads, all the sorts of things that you need to think about when preparing a set of forecasts. 
So I left Dave, admittedly a little bit dejected with this whole process thing going through his head. He had the template form to fill in and I left him and said, I'd come back a week later. So there it was a week later. Uh, and as I walked through the factory to Dave's offices, the machines were still clanking away in the background. It was noisy and busy. And to be honest, I was expecting to be met by a man who perhaps rather embarrassingly was going to tell me that he'd really done nothing, that it was all just too difficult. But, you know, instead, I was actually met by a guy who was absolutely buzzing. He'd said that going through the process of looking at past sales to spot trends, carefully analysing his costs, etc., was probably the best investment of his time he'd ever made. He now had a deeper understanding of how his business worked from a financial perspective. Well, we took the figures to the bank and the bottom line is he's still in business and that's because he followed step two, which was prepare your projections. So, could you be as focused as Dave was in getting to grips with an aspect of your business that he's totally unfamiliar with? But hey, if you have a major down on numbers and it's going to suck a huge amount of time out of your day, outsource it. I'm a great believer of getting the experts in. People who know more about an aspect of your business than you do. So who could you call on? Well, your accountant will definitely help here. But make sure you are part of the process. Listen carefully to the questions he asks as he builds up the assumptions behind the numbers. Understand the process and the thinking behind it. You will learn a lot about your business that really may surprise you by going through this. So get help if you're stuck, but get help anyway and get these things done. So when it comes to understanding the numbers that make your business work, sometimes you just have to step into the unknown to achieve a greater benefit. Remember this. All growth is a leap in the dark. Are you going to take that leap? So here we are at step three. So the next step in the process of getting the bank to say that all too elusive word yes is something that all business owners should spend time thinking about, researching and taking action on. It's not just something that businesses looking to borrow should be investigating. It's for everyone. But you know, despite this step's importance, it never ceases to amaze me as to how few business owners actually think about this issue despite the fact that ignorance of the factors I'm going to share with you may be staring them in the face and could possibly result in the failure of their business. In fact this step is the key cornerstone of the bank's credit assessment process that it goes through when reviewing your business plan and your application. And here's the thing if the bank is looking out for these points then you should be too. And more importantly, after having identified them, you need to be taking action and putting them right. So what is this third step? Well, it's simply about identifying the risks that you and your business face. Now, all businesses face risks that can potentially trip them up, sometimes with fatal consequences. And it's this that the bank is looking for when they're reviewing your finance request. It's seeking the answer to this question. What could cause this business to fail so putting repayment of my money in jeopardy. And that's at the very core or the heart of what the bank is looking to do when it's reviewing your request. And if the bank is going to look at it this way, then you certainly need to be looking at it in the same way as well. This whole process of identifying the risks in your business is so important. So what do you look out for? Where do you start? Well, there are a number of key risk areas which are common to all businesses, so let's go through each of them 
give you a sense of what to look out for. And just remember, the bank is going to go through the same exercise as well. So get in there first. So the first area of risk that you need to look at is called strategic risk. These are the high level risks that you face within your industry. And it's not just a risk that you face and you alone. Everyone in your industry faces it. So for example, are there any game changing trends within your industry which could threaten your livelihood? Think back to the days of cassettes and videotapes, especially when CDs and DVDs started coming into the market. That just decimated manufacturers of tapes. Even today, what's the future of the CD now that we've moved on to digital downloads? So are there any changes going on within your industry or market that could result in changing consumer demand, which could ultimately negatively impact your industry and so your business? Just sit back and reflect what's happening in your industry at a high level, which given time could cause you problems if you don't take action now. Don't be blind to what's happening around you. Take regular time out to survey where the future of your industry and your market lies. The next risk that you need to consider is referred to as operational risk. And these are the things that can go wrong within your business on a day-to-day -day basis. These are the tasks that form part of the way we do things round here syndrome. And you know, therein lies the problem. We're so used to carrying out these tasks or processes in a particular way that we just become blind to the inherent risks that we face. So what are the areas to look at under operational risk? Well, what about your IT setup? Are your passwords safe? Do you back up your data on a regular basis? Is the software that you're using correctly licensed? Have you got the latest versions? Have you got the latest up-to-date antivirus programs in place? What about your accounting processes? Do you have any? Are there controls in place so that no one person can manipulate the reporting system? Do you have a reporting system so that you know at least on a monthly basis how you're performing? What about stock and raw materials? If you hold these, are there any processes in place with clear areas of responsibility and accountability? Are you beholden to perhaps one or two suppliers? If so, what would happen to your business if one or perhaps both suffered problems and they closed down? Where would you source from? What about your staff? Are you dependent on a small number of key staff? The ones who, if they left the business, would leave a great big gaping and dangerous hole in the business? What about succession? Have you got a succession plan for either perhaps you or even a key member of staff? So from an operational perspective, these are the issues that you need to be reviewing on a regular basis. The next risk is one aspect of your business that the bank is going to take a very, very close interest in, and that's financial risks. What are the key financial risks which could cripple your business? And have you got them under control? So what are these key financial risks? Well, they could include looking at your debtor portfolio, which is the money that is owed to you. Have you got money which is owed and has been owed for a long, long time? And so questionable as to whether you'll actually get paid or not. What systems have you got in place to monitor such occurrences? On the flip side of that, about the money that you owe to your suppliers, have you got any which is significantly overdue? Again, what systems have you got in place to make sure you don't fall foul of late payment? What about a credit management policy? Have you got a written policy 
which actually outlines how your whole invoicing and payment strategy works. What management accounts? Do you produce regular management accounts? And are your year-end accounts produced within a reasonable period? Insurance policies. Have you got the appropriate insurance policies in place to make sure that you cover all of the key insurable risks within your business? And so one of the last key risks that you could face is regulatory risk. So if you're in an industry, for example, which is in some way highly regulated, then the bank is going to be very keen to ensure that you've got all of the compliance and regulatory issues covered. So that means having all the necessary licenses in place, carrying out mandatory checks as and when required, um, perhaps keeping documentation for strategy periods, that sort of thing. That's regulatory risk. So there are the key areas of risk that the bank is going to be looking out for and wanting to satisfy itself that there's no big hairy beast waiting around the corner ready to pounce on your business and curb your ability to pay back the finance you've taken. When you've gone through your business then with a fine tooth comb and identified those key areas of risk, well, what do you do? Well, to satisfy both the bank and yourself, against each risk, there are four possible actions that you can take. Let's have a quick look at those. Well, first of all, you could simply acknowledge the risk. Carry on with business as usual in the knowledge that the risk of an event happening is so remote, it's just not worth you worrying about. Secondly, you may feel that the risk does carry a higher likelihood of it occurring, but you can reduce the impact by introducing a control measure or perhaps changing processes in some way. The next way to handle a potential risk is just to pass the buck, transfer the liability to somebody else. And you do that by taking out an insurance policy, for example. So here, the insurance company has agreed to accept the risk. And the last one you could take well, you could decide to eradicate the risk completely by no longer doing the task. So you could outsource it to another company and then simply buy it back in. That's a great way to get rid of the risk altogether. So the strategies of managing risk is very much in line with the song The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, when he said, well, you've got to know when to hold them, you've got to know when to fold them, you've got to know when to walk away and know when to run. So the whole issue of identifying and managing risks is taking us back to our childhood. Go back to when you were a child. Do you remember being taught about the Green Cross Code and how to cross the road safely? Well, if you're of a certain age, you may recall the Green Cross Code Man or even Tufty the Squirrel. Yeah, okay, then fine. But anyway, all of these great characters taught us as kids that the safe way to cross the road it was that we had to manage the risks and we did that by following these simple instructions. Stop, look, and listen, and then cross. Stop, look, and listen. Well, it's the same when it comes to identifying the risks that you face in your business. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Take some time out. Then look and listen. Look around your business and really search out for those areas of concern or listen out for what's going on around you. So once you've identified all of these potential problems, then take out one of those four actions that I've mentioned. You can either acknowledge the risk, just move on. You could reduce it by implementing some changes or you could transfer the liability onto somebody else by taking out insurance or you could simply stop doing the task altogether. So remember, stop Look and listen, a great way to identify the risks in your business. 
and thanks then to the Green Cost Code man, and oh, and of course, Tufty the Squirrel as well. So the management of risk is the business that the banks are in, and it's the business that you need to be in as well. Because what are those risks that you're facing? What would concern somebody who'd pay you a visit and took a good look around your business? If these risks are big enough to potentially bring you down, then you need to take action and then include those actions that you've taken within the business plan. This will keep the bank on side and demonstrate to them that you've limited the downside risk for them. And just remember this, we all face risks, but what distinguishes the successful businesses from the less successful ones is how they manage those risks. Do you manage your risks or do they manage you? We've gone through now the first three steps, which is writing a business plan, preparing your finance pack, and identifying the risks that you can face. So we're now ready to move on to step four. And like all the other steps that have gone before it, this still needs some work from you, I'm afraid. Now, many business owners who approach their banks tend to miss out this step. And to be honest, it shows. Not taking action on this step can severely limit your chances when you get in front of the bank and so potentially label you as a rank amateur. So this fourth step is all about preparation, preparing yourself for the interview and the presentation that you're going to be making to the bank. So during my time as a bank manager, I sat behind the desk listening to many business owners pitching their requests at me. And I saw too many, quite frankly, who blew it just because they hadn't prepared enough or in just some cases hadn't prepared at all. Now, how sad is that? Potentially great businesses falling at the first hurdle just because the pitch or the presentation was poor. Now, you may think, well, how is the request presented? Well, that should be the least of the bank's worries. But as I'll share with you in step five, there's much more to getting that yes than just a great business idea. How you present the case is equally vital. As I recommended in step one, you will have sent your business plan to the bank manager well in advance of the meeting. And you may be thinking, well, the fact he's got the business plan should be enough. But you know, here's the thing. Reading a business plan won't give him a feel for the real person behind the business. I.e., that's you. He needs to see and hear for himself how you come across. And this is your chance to win him over. So you've got to be prepared. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the five P's when it comes to uh, preparing for a big event. That's preparation prevents particularly poor performance. And when it comes to facing your bank manager with the begging bowl in your hand, this has never been truer. So you've got your business plan and now your financials. So now's the time to actually prepare your presentation. So here are some steps that you can take before the meeting to make sure that you don't suffer from a terrible poor performance. So to be ready for this, you've got to have a prepared script which sells you and the business. You just can't take the risk of winging it. It's just too important. So what you need to do is to take each aspect of your business plan and just come up with a list of the main points that you want to put across. So against each point, write down the key message Play around with it as to how you'd phrase it. You, know, you don't want to go rambling on and on and put the manager to sleep. Just make sure that your points are punchy, interesting and not too long. Your pitch should also include uh, a beef background of your business, who your customers are, uh, the products or services you sell, the market that you're targeting. 
and the strengths and weaknesses of both you and your business and finally what you're looking for from the bank. Now yes, your pitch is all about presenting the positive aspects of your business and all the opportunities within your grasp, but also it's the time for you to acknowledge the negatives. Any experienced banker is going to quickly pick up on the flaws in your plan or perhaps your questionable background. So be upfront and honest and weave this into your pitch. Once your presentation ideas are committed to paper, the next stage then is to actually learn that script. The interview is going to be your first chance of selling something. That's selling yourself, selling your idea and selling your business. Think about it this way. An actor's job is to go out there, get on the stage and make people believe that he's the person he's trying to portray. He does this by thorough preparation and that includes learning his scripts, how to stand and sit, how to put across meaning in what he says. All of this is achieved through knowing and understanding his script and learning it. Now you have to think like an actor and your script, well that's your business plan. Now I'm not talking about learning the script parrot fashion, it's all about memorising the key points you want to put across so you can confidently present your case. Knowing what to say and how to say it will make you look much more professional and worthy of support. And that, of course, is your aim. Someone who stumbles over their words and whose sentences are full of ums and ahs and forgetting what to say is just not going to impress. So the two important elements of your presentation which have to be thoroughly prepared are your opening and closing remarks. These have to concisely sum up what you want from the bank and to portray the confidence in your ability to achieve. The words used and the presentation has to be upbeat and more importantly, positive. So here we are, the last step in your journey. And this is yet another important aspect of dealing with banks that you have to be aware of. Now, it's easy to think that you're armed with your business plan, you've got all your financials in place, you've got all the risks identified and being well prepared, and you've got it all covered. But no, there's one important aspect missing from this. You've portrayed your business in a great light, you've demonstrated that it can pay back the loan, but the missing link is you. If you're running a small to medium-sized business, then it's more than likely that the business really is just you. You may operate under an impressive name or got glitzy offices and staff, but at the end of the day, in the majority of businesses, the buck stops with you. It's you who can make or break the business. And this is why, from the bank's perspective, you are the key to a safe lending. The bank's assessment process is just as much about assessing you as it is about assessing your business. So, what aspect of your character will the bank take into consideration? Well, here are a couple of things to think about. The first thing is your level of commitment to your business. Your commitment to making sure that your business remains successful is vital. The bank manager or the investor can get a feel for someone's commitment in a variety of ways. For example, it can come across in intangible ways. Your language, the passion with which you talk about the business, your body language. The bank is looking to support someone who's both passionate and enthusiastic about their business. You can see now why it's important to look and sound confident. Your commitment can also be measured in more tangible ways, such as how much of your personal money you're putting into the venture, or alternatively, how much you've withdrawn from the business over the years. 
So if you've regularly injected cash into your business to help with working capital or to purchase new machinery, then this is a real encouraging sign. However, if cash has been withdrawn on a regular basis for no apparent reason, then the bank's going to ask why. And what about the security that you're prepared to pledge to the bank? Are you putting up personal assets to support the deal? This is another aspect of personal commitment that the bank will look at. So, sit back and think, how does your commitment to the business look to an outsider? The next question about you is whether you can be seen as a person of integrity and honesty. Now, this is a difficult one to assess, but we do all pick up vibes about individuals within minutes of meeting them. I'm sure that you have during the dealings that you've had with your customers and suppliers. Well, the bankers look out for these as well. But other than these vibes and a gut feeling, is there any other hard evidence that the banks can use to assess your character? Well, there is, and the first of these is a credit search. The bank will carry out a credit search on you, and if you trade as a company, your company. What will it reveal, I wonder, against your name? Have you done a credit search on yourself recently to find out what's logged against you? If you have got any skeletons in the cupboard, don't assume they won't come out. It is amazing the information you can find out on these credit reports. And believe me, if those instances are bad enough, they're bound to surface and it can impact upon your chances of success. I had a client once who had no chance of getting the loan he needed because his personal credit record had been badly affected by a dispute with his mobile phone company. Yep, he'd had an argument over the bill, he didn't pay it, and the company recorded it as a default. That badly affected his credit rating. Another one to consider is that if you're an existing business looking for additional finance, what do your bank statements look like? Have you operated your account in a trouble-free manner? That is, no bounce checks, you've kept within your overdraft limit. If you've done all of that, then it'll all go to help assessing your credit worthiness, either positively or negatively. So what's next? That's your skill set. Now, no one is a truly rounded entrepreneur endowed with all the skills necessary to run a successful business. So what are your skills? But equally, what are your weak areas? This is what the bank is looking for. If you do have a gap within your skill set, Have you been bold enough to recognise it in your business plan? If so, have you taken action to either upskill yourself or to recruit people to assist you? The key question is, knowing what you know, would you lend yourself the money? Would you trust you to borrow the money? Wow, what a question. But when it boils down to it, that's all the bank wants to know. Are you trustworthy? Think of it this way. Can you uh, perhaps remember a time when you lent somebody some money or perhaps trusted them with your prized possession? Think about it. What went through your mind? Just imagine that you own a top-of-the-range sports car. It's brand new, shiny silver with all the gears and the accessories. It's your prized possession, your pride and joy. You've worked hard for it. And then one day, one of your friends asks to borrow it for the weekend. Decision time. What do you do? You think about how trustworthy he is. You think back to the last time you lent him something. Did he give it back? Did he return it undamaged? What have other people said about him? Have they said he's an okay guy? Does he have a good reputation? Well, on balance, you think it's okay and it's worth taking a risk. 
So on Friday night, you gingerly hand over the keys and you watch apprehensively as he drives away and you give him a cautious wave as he disappears around the corner. But the worry doesn't stop there, does it? It only just starts. You don't hear from him at all. No calls to say that it's all okay. No, you'd like at least one call to say the car's fine. You start to panic. You think about something that may have happened. You fear the worst. Sunday night comes and the car should have been back by now. He's late. Why doesn't he call? You call his phone. No answer. You've got a sleepless Sunday night and finally on Monday morning you hear the car pulling upside the house. Yes, he's back. You bolt outside. Boy, are you angry. Where have you been? You're late. Why didn't you call me? That's the last time I'm going to lend you my car. You put me through absolute hell. Well, now you know how the banker thinks. So, how do you think you would come across to the bank? Do you come across as fully committed or not so much? Someone with a great unblemished track record or perhaps a bit questionable? Never forget that when it comes down to the last piece of the jigsaw, the bank manager is going to ask himself, can I trust him? Can I trust on him or her to pay me back? And remember this, to earn a good reputation, you have to act as you wish to be seen. So here we are at the end of this audio, and I've shared five steps to get you the business finance you need. Here's a quick recap. The first step, write a business plan. Get your future vision down on paper and use it as a tool to get you to where you want to be. The second step, get your numbers up to date and prepare those forecasts. Step three was identify the risks in your business and plug the gaps before you go to the bank or a potential investor. The fourth step is to prepare. Don't go into the presentation unprepared. And lastly, Remember, the bank is lending to you, not your business. So, there you are, five steps to help you get to a yes. But hey, before we finish, here's a bonus tip from me. Be patient. In the current climate, the banks are ultra-cautious. They are not making quick decisions. And if you're used to acting swiftly, this can be massively frustrating. It can take two even three months to get to the point where you can get a yes. So patience really is a virtue that has to be learned and put into action when it comes to applying for finance. But if you believe in your business and what you're doing, then don't give up. If you get a no from the bank, learn from the feedback, make changes and move on to the next one. Don't quit. It's worth remembering neither success or failure is final unless you want it to be. I can't really express this don't quit mentality in any better way other than sharing a poem I recently came across written by Edgar Guest called Don't Quit. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won, had he stuck it out. Don't give up though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. 
and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. What a message to end on. Hey, if you want to get in touch to bounce some ideas around, simply visit my website, www.businessloanservices.co.uk and there you'll find out how to contact me. Good luck as you embark on your journey of discovery and thanks for joining me today.